Welcome to the new Paradigm Podcast. My name is Morten Hake and this is the place where we'll talk about the stuff that's going to make you remember who you really are. Let's go. Alright guys and welcome to the new Paradigm Podcast episode 9. Today I'm a bit excited because I've been trying to get a hold of this guy for a while and both of us are busy men so uh, like we were like going back and forth and try to find a good time to talk. Uh, But finally we're here. Uh, Welcome Rudiger, you're in Dubai right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh well it's uh, it's a real pleasure to be on your show so um, thank you for inviting me. Sure. so I had, uh, like most of my listeners know, I had this uh, breakthrough or like my first insight and, and my and into these um, three principles uh, almost a year back. And I started, it was funny because the first, when I first like, uh, quote unquote, got it or when I first like felt it, I yeah. was just like, I was ready to just run out of the workshop it was a workshop with jamie smart and i was like ready to run out of the workshop i was like why even bother continue to listen to this because you know (laughs) i just wanted to go out and live you know it's the most freeing feeling ever and after that uh you know i started googling and very fast i found your website uh the three or three and I started like watching some, some, some videos on that site, which is a huge library of so valuable videos you have on that site. And I actually didn't know because I watched some videos and I didn't know that. And when I watched a video of you and Jenny, I didn't know that it was you who had made the website. So when I when I found that out, I was like, oh, that's cool. And like they really like they're really grounded in this understanding. And when I watched you speak, I was just like feeling amazing and that's why i really wanted to have you on this podcast oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) so let's um i want to know like your story how did you come about the three principles or or the inside out nature uh and you know what happened and and how did you end up like making that website well, first, I want to know what happened the first time you got, like, good feeling. <laughs> well, um, I originally studied many things to do with the mind, maybe similar to yourself, from um, NLP, New Linguistic Programming, to Clinical Hypnotherapy, which is using the unconscious mind for therapy. I, I taught meditation. I used to go off and meditate eight hours a day for weeks on end, and I taught Tai Chi Chi Gung. So I really learned a lot of like cutting-edge Western mind technologies, um, which was generally involving controlling thinking, trying to get better thinking. And <laughs> yeah. With more contemplative um, Eastern philosophies, you know, like mindfulness and surrender and various things. So... I was kind of like a bird with the east and the west kind of wings flapping, so to speak. Um, 
And then I was a self-proclaimed expert in the mind. I wasn't, but I, I proclaimed myself as an expert, as an expert in the mind. <laughs> so when I suggested I go along to this course, this is now 10 years ago, I really didn't want to because I, I really mm. felt that, well, you know, I've, I've kind of learned this and I've read the, oh, another thing, I just read every book there was to do on self-development, spiritualism and mind technology and it just, the list goes on. I mean, I could have probably bought a yacht with the money I spent on training. <laughs> to be honest. But um, so when a friend of mine suggested I come along on this course, and I was like, well, what's it about? And he's like, well, it's about, I don't know, just come along. It's about these principles, and I know it's, it, I don't know, just come along. And I was like, well, I, I kind of know this stuff already, <laughs> I'm saying. I kind of, I've, I've kind of got this. I'm okay. I, you know, I don't really need to learn anymore. But you know what? Something within me thought it was a good idea. My my dominant thinking was telling me no, but there was that quiet voice, the the silent observer, so to speak, that overrode the chaos of my own thinking and kind of dragged my body along to it. And to be honest, I didn't learn a lot because the lady talking was from Uganda and she kind of talks like this and I didn't know what she was talking about, kind of like this. <laughs> But she showed a video on um, prison inmates. And you got these buffed up, beefy guys with the tattoos and, you know, the short hair looking, you know, like you really wouldn't want to meet them in a dark alley, so to speak. Um, and you know what? The documentary is about how these guys softened and became human and and the compassion coming out of them. Now... I had a lot of judgment about people within jail thinking that they're, they're bad people and they deserve to be in there and, and all the rest of it. But what I found from just watching this documentary is that no matter what somebody's done, there's this innate, this natural spiritual nature, this, this light within, so to speak, that is always there, regardless of your past, regardless of your behavior. Chaos of our own thinking can kind of subdue that 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 health within mm. um so that got me curious and i'm the worst testament of learning the three principles to be quite honest to be quite honest with you i went on the first training of trainers in in europe actually um okay. dr roger mills was my first teacher and sydney banks came over and i didn't really hear a lot because i was an expert <laughs> <laughs> and so i was listening through a full mind thinking I already knew it, comparing it to what yeah. I already knew. And <clears throat> I didn't hear a lot. So after a year of not really hearing anything, but there was still <laughs> that silent that silent whisper saying, hang on in there, hang on in there. And Michael Neal talks about um, staying in the conversation. I just stayed in the conversation, so to speak. And then uh-huh. I met my, my this girl on the course who was painfully shy. She was, she sat with her hair over her face, and her cousin introduced her. And in the break time, she kind of scurried into a corner and hardly looked at anybody, and she didn't say a word. <clears throat> I then saw her a couple of months later, and she was looking me in the eye. She was proud. She wasn't overtly confident, but she was quietly confident, and that just happened mm. to be my now wife Jenny. She oh, really? Turnaround, yeah, in, in three days that she went from being um, having 
eating disorders, being painfully shy, having depression, you know, and loads of other things. I mean, she has to tell her own story. Um, and within three days, she just dropped it all, absolutely dropped it all. And again, that got me curious as well. Obviously, um, obviously yeah. we, weren't, we weren't dating then um, because she had a boyfriend, I had a girlfriend, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when I got to know Jenny, the quietness of Jenny allowed the chaos within me to, to listen. And I had my first major insight. And you know what that was? <laughs> <laughs> is that I'm not any better than anybody else and I'm not special uh... now most people want to feel special or better than and I realized that was my problem I was mm. spiritually arrogant I thought I knew better than everybody and I thought yeah. I was the savior and I was put on earth to be the big tower of strength for everybody and all of that came crashing down when I realized I was no more spiritual, I was no more better, I was the same as everybody else. That was humbling, and I saw my own ego, and since that day, the humanness, like my humanness came out, not the, not the more than humanness, but the humanness. I went from wanting to be superhuman, and I became more of a human, and the humanness makes you superhuman. That's the paradox. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to define, really. But I, so I stayed in there. And to cut a long story short, um, five years after that insight, we were so touched by this. Um, Jenny's parents, Jenny's auntie, Jenny's sister, um, all got touched by this. And so... When we spoke to this about people, they was like, well, where's the research? Where's the proof? Is there anything on TV? Is there any journals I can look at? And there was nothing online. It's crazy now, but there's nothing online if you Google the three principles. And so we went to America. Um, this is where like, the topic of business comes in. But the quietness was talking again. It's like, we you really need to get this out into the world, you know, like there's, there's nothing online. So I had this crazy idea to learn videography because I'd never picked up a video camera in my life and go to America and start getting proof. And nice. so I spent like an intense six months to a year learning videography, buying stuff on credit cards because I didn't have the money. Um, and then to everyone's utter amazement, we said, well, we're going to go to America and film a documentary. And they're like, well, have you got any money to do it? We're like, no. Do you know anyone in America who would be interested? Um, no. Well, how are you going to pay for stuff when you're in? We don't know. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> a precursor to this, and I'll carry on the story, is that all of my life, my head was the leader and my intuition or my gut instinct or the silence was the servant. Through understanding this, the roles got reversed where I saw the logic of trusting the silence and the illogic of trusting the chaos. And the mm. chaos is really, it's quite, um, you really believe it. It looks so real. There's, you can come up with a million reasons why you shouldn't do something. But there's a feeling within you that can override that. And so I trusted that. Of course, I was having anxious thinking about it quite a lot of the time. But I could see that as thought more than something that was real. Went to America. 
And we just started filming. We ended up filming like the director of the drug and alcohol services in Santa Clara County in California. He put us in other touch with people. And all of a sudden, we're, we're filming like a multi-billion dollar um, aeronautics firm in New Hampshire. We were going into homeless shelters. <laughs> we were going into jails. We were going into prisons. We were going to addictions groups. We were going to nurseries and schools and high schools, just, just all over the board, filming, filming, filming. Um, nice. And they're, it's all, it was all, they were all working with three principles? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you just got over. straight to the core and they just sent you around to the perfect spots. That's amazing. That's what happens. <laughs> it, it is incredible. And like, we went, end up going to like a community um, in Mississippi and, oh, just, and we met the police officer, like this one community. Now, Dr. Roger Mills has spoken about this community, Lockwood Gardens in California and Coliseum mm-hmm. Gardens. And I found the, it was covered on CNN and the Today Show and lots of big network news channels that this community had at some times the fourth highest homicide rate per capita in the nation. Literally, it's a haven for drug and alcohol abuse, um, gun crime, prostitution. The police, the ambulance wouldn't go in without a police escort. Um, People wouldn't go out of their homes because they were terrified of getting shot. Now, the, the state of California was embarrassed by this community because they were getting a bad rap from the other states, and so they needed to do something. And that's when our first teacher, Dr. Roger Mills, went in because they'd thrown money at this, they'd, they'd given them free things, they'd painted their houses, they'd given them support, nothing changed the community. So Roger Mills went in, like he did with Modelo, but that, that's another story. He went into this community, and this project happened 15 years ago, and since then, there hasn't been one homicide. Not one homicide. Employment went up 50%. Other communities, violent crime's gone down 74%. Parental in- involvement in school Amazing. up 500%. So it's interesting that this invisible understanding that is operating behind the scenes of our behavior is the sole reason we behave and we think, and we act. Although we're talking about something that sounds esoteric and spiritual, it is the absolute root cause of everything we think and everything we do in this world. Mm. And the community is just an example that when people got healthy in the community, the community got healthy. And so we got back to England, and we, I mean, I worked it out that in the last five years, I've spent two full two years full time work on editing the stuff that we got, like completely wow. free, because yeah. <laughs> I wanted to create a resource that anyone could go to. They want to find out about business, want to find out about children, want to find out about jails, want to watch facilitator interviews, want to mm. watch the network news t- channels want to see research for anybody in the world because mm. what when I met Sidney Banks the thing I got from him is that his main thing is he wanted to help alleviate human suffering and for mm. me my main driving force is is that also I want to help alleviate human suffering mm. and in my mind this 
is the root cause of human suffering. We live in a thought-created experience and our thinking can terrorize us. It can, it can, we can follow and we can commit suicide, you know. It, it's the root cause of human happiness and suffering. You need to look beyond behavior. You need to look beyond having a nicer house or better income or a nicer partner. You need to look within. And when you see within, you can be happy in the moment for no reason, non-dependent on external circumstances. And it doesn't matter if you're Muslim or a Christian or a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're seven or 70. It doesn't matter if you're Indian or English. Like, we all work the same. We live in a thought-created experience of life that we see as true and real. And when we see the nature of how your thinking is creating your experience in the moment, insightfully, you stop blaming the world for how you feel and recognize it's your thinking about the world creating how you feel. Not just you, but all 7.1 billion of us do that. And as the chaos of our own mind starts to calm down, the gap left over is filled within the principles we call it mind. The principle of mind is the intelligence behind life. It's the animating force of everything. It makes everything happen. When there's more appreciation and access to that, from a psychological term, I could say you have more clarity of mind, you have more insightful thinking, you have more productive behavior. If I talk about, in other words, you're loving, you're kind, altruistic. Mm. You know, you, you, you see the illusion of separation between me and you, him and her starts dissolving, and you have... You wake up to who you truly are, and it's not what you thought before. It's the power that allows you to think in the first place, and it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, you said earlier, like, uh, that instead you, like, you had your head guiding you, and then... Uh, I don't know. I remember your words, but like I have my picture in my mind. I'm trying to find the words now. But <laughs> well, yeah, you used to have your head guide you, and now you have kind of like that good feeling guide you, and then and then the 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 the, the head, the intellect, kind of follows after. I've seen that. Like I see, I I've, I've noticed that now. It's like all the ideas I have in my business and with my team, and and like what how we work now is like is 180 degrees opposite of how we used to work we used to i used to think that i needed to plan a plan figure things out you know write write it up or like get it on the whiteboard and then think a lot about it and think through it and then like think on top of thinking and then execute like i've always been like i've always been pretty good at taking action but i always like try to like figure it out before I've done it and now it's just like we have an idea and then we run and then <laughs> out, and then we, you know we run and then we fail and then afterwards you go like okay we can use it or not you know <laughs> so it's just like same with this podcast you know got the idea started making podcasts 
and then okay i have to figure out how to get it on itunes and i have to figure out how to like make it artwork out of it and i have to figure out how to like rss feeds and all that i didn't know that i just started recording because i had the idea and it's so cool to see that you had the same experience i think it was jack cranfield or someone i think it was him but he said as a metaphor it's like if you're driving at night and it's dark and your headlights are only lighting up say 20 meters in front of you just because you can't see where you're going it doesn't mm. stop you from driving because you understand the nature of dark, you understand the nature of photons and light. You know that as you travel, it will be lit up where you're going. And so it's not brain science, it's logical because we understand the nature of light. Mm. And understanding the nature of our minds, we can get an insight like yours to let's create a podcast. Mm. But you just do it. The, the illogic of not doing it falls away because you could yeah. think, oh, I can't, who am I, and people won't be interested, and who should I interview, and how do I get it on iTunes, and blah, 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 blah. But then you just stop acting. And, and when you were talking, it kind of gave me a metaphor. It's a bit like you have an idea, and then you need to run with it, like you said, because if you don't run, like the, the bulldog of your own intellect will kind of run <laughs> yes. up and tackle you to the ground before you do it. So That's a great metaphor, yeah. Yes, it is like that, like... Yes, if you don't run with it, all of a sudden you created some thought problems and monsters that didn't even exist, and all of a sudden you're second-guessing yourself and never do it. <laughs> but also, like you said, you know, we're not bashing the intellect. We're just saying we need an intellect. To, you know, you needed your intellect to work out, how do I put this on iTunes, you know, or how do I do podcasts? How do I compress this MP3? How do I use Skype? You know, the intellect is the builder but you need to come up with an idea of what to build. People come up with the idea, but they then use the building to destroy the idea, you know. And mm. so, like, from a business model, and this is crazy, but, I mean, I, I, don't, I really don't mean to come across as arrogant when I say this at all, but we've got a VAT limited company that's doing really well. Our events are getting booked out. We're training people all over the world, We've got a fun, lovely, beautiful lifestyle, but I haven't spent any time marketing that. I haven't really tried to make myself visible. Um, I haven't tried to kind of, I haven't really tried to do any of that, but it's just happened yeah, to me yeah. because in a bizarre kind of a way, because I was following the quiet voice and I created this resource through the resource just completely by mistake, we just got really visible within the community and people seem to trust us, or most people do, and they want us to do talks and stuff. So by not marketing myself, I'm really marketable. Mm. Um, and I don't, that wasn't, we didn't do that on purpose, but I'm just saying that around the time I had that first insight, I was saying about my life was about how can I make money from what I was doing, because at that time I was running courses on mind technologies and helping people de-stress and get more productive in the workplace, etc. My intention was, how do I make money out of this? How do I get mildly famous doing this? How can I attract people towards me? What can I do that people think I'm brilliant? And when the turnaround happened of me thinking I was no better than anybody else and like, 
seeing the logic of following the silence within, so to speak, I realized, you know what? I don't care about me. How can I be of service to the world? What can add value to people's life? How can I help people? And so all of a sudden, the personality of Rudy was less interesting. And I thought, well, let's just be a creative vessel for this creative force to work through me um, and create something that's really good. And that's been my volition ever since then. But there's a way in which, and I don't know how it works, and Sid spoke about the formless takes care of the form. Mm. When you're doing something in alignment with your heart, it it doesn't look like it, and your intellect will give you the reverse idea, but you're helping yourself. Everything you want will come to you when you give up on yourself, on what you want, and actually give what other people want. Then it just works, and I don't know how that works. I'm not even saying that that's true. <laughs> I'm just saying, for my experience, it seems to work like that for me. And... I'm totally in love with my beautiful wife and I, I love my life and I'm not driving around on yachts and, and have a huge house. We live very, very simply and you've got a small house, but it's not in the things in the world that brings my happiness. It's my thinking in the moment creating my happiness right now. It always comes down to whatever you think in this moment, in this moment is creating your experience. Now, that doesn't matter if you're driving a, a Porsche or a, a, a Skoda. It doesn't matter if you're standing on the balcony looking over the Taj Mahal or whether you're in a flat in, in Hackney in London. It, it's not out there. It's, it's within. And what I really saw from the prison inmates, we went into a female prison and we filmed and we spoke to these guys. And one of them said, I've discovered that the bars of the prison hasn't been my prison. It's been my own thinking that's kept me trapped mm. my entire life. I have no physical freedom now, but I feel free. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm not saying give up your Rolls Royce and become a hermit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying <laughs> enjoy what you have. And enjoy, you know, if you want a nice house, go for it. I'm not being a Buddhist here. I'm just saying that it's open for everyone. All I'm saying is that whether whatever you've got or haven't got, it's your experience. It's your thinking in the moment creating your experience. And like this garbage truck drove by my house the other day when I was editing. And I looked at the binman putting bins in, in the lorry. And I was thinking to myself, I could be a binman. Like... I could so be a binman because I could just work nine to five. And then because it's not what you do in the world, it's, it's what you think about what you do in the world. <laughs> That's where your experience is coming from. In the yeah. <laughs> I thought about that as well. Like you had, uh, we're talking about because like we didn't like, uh, we were like, Anyways, point being, it was like we started talking about going to jail. <laughs> like uh, some conversation, I was like, we're going to end up in jail, you know. And then I, actually, I actually considered the idea. And then I was like, like being in jail wouldn't actually 
matter, you know? And then all of a sudden, uh, I was playing with the idea, and <clears throat> it was crazy because while I was playing with that idea, uh, you know, we were just having conversation and stuff, and we were also playing with the idea and having conversations about and we started recording our conversations i started this podcast we we're thinking about you know creating more videos and then having just like filming conversations and like more and more like and we had like when we were really on it we were like we should have cameras here and there because there's like gold coming out of our mouth even though we can't notice what we're saying until after we've said it you know because you're in the flow yeah. and then <laughs> and then lord behold i get an offer to I get invited to join Big Brother and Big Brother is like the perfect combination of always being recorded and being in jail. <laughs> so I was like, just like, what? I just, that thought popped in my head while he was saying that. But, uh, what you just said about that, that inmate who said that, that, that was, that was some magic. That was some magic. And it really is. Like when you say, when you put it like that, it's just so simple. It really is so simple sometimes. Like sometimes it's super simple and other times it's just like complex and 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 I don't understand it. And obviously, you know, I but... Uh... Boil it all down to a couple of words. Like all we're saying is that we experience our thinking in the moment about life. Mm. And they're is an intelligence behind life making it all happen. Full stop. It's no more complicated than that. But the reason like we do immersion retreats where people come for five days and we, we have this kind of transformational discussion, the reason it takes five days sometimes is that it's so simple that people can't get their heads around that. Mm. Like, like as an example, we... I'm in Dubai at the moment, as you said, and like the host and Jenny was taking ages in the supermarket. I was kind of standing there with my trolley and I was getting a bit cold because of the air conditioning and I was feeling really bored and they were just taking ages and I was getting more and more kind of like, oh, for God's sake, come on, you know. Hmm. And I was getting more and more kind of annoyed with them. And then I had a new thought. It's like, Rudy, where do you think your experience is coming from right now? Do you think mm. they're making you agitated? Are they sending you psychic signals through the ether <laughs> that is going into your brain and making you agitated? Well, I don't think they are. I mean, I'll let you know. <laughs> I don't think they are. Maybe this agitation has something to do with your thinking in the moment. And then it occurs to me, well, I'm, I'm feeling agitated because I'm thinking agitated. Mm. And seeing that insightfully, I, I kind of came back to the present moment again. Mm. and this wakes me up it humbles me again and again and again and sometimes you know there's a person in my family who is really critical and and know it all and when I'm with them I've always felt less than or not listened to or you know they'll kind of correct me and I didn't like hanging out with them and when I was with them I was getting that horrible feeling I was like oh I need to get away from here I need to make an excuse up to get away from them because they're making me feel bad Hear that they are making making me feel bad, and then it occurs to me, Rudy, where do you think your experience is coming from? Because Jenny can hang out with the same person, and she finds it amusing and funny and endearing that this person's so insecure, they're acting like that. 
for me, it irritates me. So if it was them creating a feeling in somebody else, surely everyone would feel the same and they don't. And I woke up into the morning, oh, I'm doing it again. I'm feeling my thinking about them. Then all this invisible thinking came up that what is invisible to me. It's like, oh, Rudy, I, I feel unintelligent with them. I don't feel listened to and that's making me feel bad. And as soon as I saw the nature of that, I could hang out with them and I'm not affected by them. Rather, I'm not affected by my own thinking of them. Mm. And of course, we all have preferences. I wouldn't want to hang out with them all the time, but it allows you to be in life with people and not blame them for your feeling. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I can relate so much to everything you're saying. I'm just like, mm, mm. <laughs> um, there's one thing you, you touched upon earlier that I want to, that I want to talk about and that's um let's see if I can find the words <laughs> uh, yeah like when um in conversations about this I sometimes both catch myself in and I hear other people kind of like wanting to be in the good feeling all the time and then somehow in that process they create thinking into a monster and they create intelligence into something bad do you know what i'm talking about or what i'm uh pointing towards uh it's um, like okay so you like no go ahead yeah carry on sorry <laughs> i was just uh uh like because uh, life is unfolding all the time right and either you know and we're always thinking we're thinking beings so and then and then we are always always actually buying into the illusion as well because otherwise everything would just like collapse in, or we would be wouldn't be here probably who knows <laughs> i mean uh so we're both thinking and we're both buying into illusion all the time. And then people start like dividing uh, their experience into like either in the moment they're getting it or not getting it. If you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then all of a sudden that becomes like a, a pro- another problem kind of. And they're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, yeah, um, that's, uh... yeah, I just want to hear your thoughts around that. You know, just like I had these conversations lately and I want to hear you. That's great. That's absolutely great, Morton. And I think that's really topical and really helpful for people. So I'm so pleased you've you've raised that because I think many of us can innocently have an achievement model. Like, you know, if I'm the 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 best salesperson, I'm I'm good. If I'm I can be the best parent, I can be the best this. And so we try and it's nothing wrong with it, we try and be the best at something. Um, but when we apply that to our own psychology, is there's this innocent misunderstanding that you should feel good all the time or that, you know, you should feel calm and peaceful and connected all the time. And in my experience, humans don't work like that. In my experience, humans go up and down. Even if you've been around this understanding for 
40 years like some people, I've only been around it 10, our thinking will take us up and our thinking takes us down and that's normal. What isn't normal is to be happy and deeply connected and blissfully happy all the time. Now, there may well be people in the world like that, but I, I haven't met anybody. I've met people who are generally quite positive a lot of the time, but there's a difference between deep feelings of spiritual recognition and gratitude and positive thinking. They're quite mm. different. They're very different feeling states. And again, this is a personal opinion. I'm not bashing positive thinking because it's really, it's very helpful, but it's it's the deeper feelings. It's the more connected feelings. It's the, it's the, the oneness that is kind of like the, the slow burn carbohydrates you can have to sustain your body for longer. And happiness is a bit like a caffeine fix, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, got it. And so what was really helpful to me is I used to try and strive for that. I I wanted to be happy all, and, and peaceful all the time. Because I never achieved that, I felt bad. I felt I didn't understand the principles. I wasn't doing it properly. And what I've come to realize more recently is that I'm just okay living in the experience of my thinking in the moments mm. that, that mm. they come up, whether that's happy or sad or angry or peaceful or serene or insecure, I'm just okay with what is. I'm okay with where I am right now. And, you know, my father passed away a couple of months ago. And when my mother passed away seven years ago, I had, I'd only been around this, I've been around this about three years and my misassumption was the principles are telling me I should feel amazing all the time. And it, it wasn't saying that, but that's what I heard. And so I wouldn't allow myself to mourn or feel sad and I'll try and hide it from people. I'll put on like a persona that I was okay. And I was, I was so cool with life that nothing bothered me. And, um, it really wasn't, it, it was really unhealthy it's really, really unhealthy. And eventually I caved in and I just had, I just had a massive crying fit. I was just crying every day for like about a month and I just let it all out. Now my father passed away, um, a couple of months ago. And the difference is, is that I haven't got an agenda as to what I should be feeling or, or, or thinking about what that means. I'm just okay with my feeling in the moment, whatever it's bringing to me. And I'm able to feel sad, I'm able to, to cry, I'm able to feel gratitude for having such a great dad. And other times I'm able to, to have the reverse for all the stuff he did to me as a child or whatever. But, but what I'm saying is that you get okay with not being okay. Yeah. You get okay with being, it's not about being superhuman, it's about being human. And the paradox is, is that when you kind of almost surrender to your experience and you're not trying to change it, you're not trying to analyze it, you're not trying to do better, and you allow it just to kind of, kind of move through. Boy, is that a different experience. Mm. The negative, what you'd classed as negative emotions really don't last very long because it's not the negative emotions that are a problem. 
they're neutral. If you have a negative thought like, Rudy, you're, you're a waste of space, it will arise into your consciousness. If you leave it alone, it unmanifests and you get another thought. Now, if that thought comes up and then you latch onto it and start thinking about it, all of a sudden it gets frozen in consciousness, it gets frozen in time, mm. and then it's a problem. It's not thinking that is the problem, it's our thinking mm. about thinking, creating our experience. And when you see the illusory nature of thought, a natural implication is that thinking arises, it creates and it uncreates, and you're not really doing much with it. You're just allowing that innate spiritual functioning to happen mm. without you editing it or doing anything to it, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And also, like, sometimes I talk to... <clears throat> I have this coaching group of uh, six or seven guys and like they already have an understanding of this and then, then sometimes they go like what you just uh, what you just described is like they uh, sometimes they make like this new understanding the new goal you know so oh like they know they they know that they like I know and they know that they actually get it or like quote unquote get it but like uh, sometimes you know when they're frustrated or they're searching or they're trying to figure out then then they think they falsely think that okay if I just get back to clarity I will be fine and this is yeah. Well, it reminds me of what you're talking about. Like people tend to think that. I love what you said about it's not about being superhuman; it's about being human. Uh, because uh, I don't feel I don't feel great all the time, uh, but I'm like you say, I'm okay with that. I can be nervous and be okay at the same time. It's just like it's all kind of like. The entire experience of life has just leveled up. It's still a roller coaster, but it's like kind of like leveled up, and it's uh, it's 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 magic. It's fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah, in a way, it's almost like I think Mara Gleason said, "We're meaning. We're meaning-making machines." something we make meaning of it oh how do i like what does that make me feel oh do they think this like you think you make meaning of the thinking and yeah. for me it's taking the meaning out of life and replace it with the magic of being in life the magic of being alive you know i'm my life is so less meaningful i mean and that's a good thing because yeah i, I know to, what you I mean that's to, so funny I used to think I had this big spiritual quest and I had to be doing something and I wasn't doing my life purpose. I had all this life meaning purpose, in what I yeah, yeah, do. Yeah. And because I wasn't doing that, I would feel miserable, you know. And it's almost like as soon as I gave up making meaning of anything, I found my meaning, ironically. <laughs> or it found me, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not even saying there is a meaning to life. I'm just saying that when you're just in life and you're just allowing your experience to unfold, 
you find yourself doing things that you could call your life purpose, but you don't even give that any thought because you've just dropped the meaning of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how we tend to like create boxes out of every single thing oh yeah great boundaries and same with meaning right okay so we have this life let's pack it into some kind of box that's called meaning and then just have a purpose and then for some reason go in that direction and don't listen to anything else just like (laughs) that goes across the board like we tend to make boxes out of everything uh, I know, even with our own thinking, is like, in in England, we've got this thing called pack and save, which is this huge supermarket, it's full of boxes. That was yeah. my mind before coming across this. It was all packed up and itemized and, and filed in certain ways. And like the the warm breeze of, of freedom and surrender and beauty never went where it did, but there's only one tiny window open in the entire supermarket. And with uh, this, the doors were thrown open and it kind of started blowing the boxes out of the way. And like even with thinking, I used to think I need to be aware of whether my thinking is habitual and, and kind of what I'm always thinking and unhelpful. And I have to be aware that my thinking's intuitive and insightful or, in, or kind of like um, wisdom. So I had this definition between habitual conditioned thought and wisdom and intuitive thought and i try to go mm. towards intuitive and away from the conditioned and now i don't care as i don't even <laughs> care i care what i'm thinking and again the, the, the paradox is that when you're not making meaning and splitting thought into high and low and good and bad i love that yeah gravitate towards intuitive and, and great thinking and intuitive and insightful thinking why mm. because you're not bloody thinking about your thinking you're just in it yeah. and it's moving there's no trying involved right yeah yeah i see that like trying i had this like like trying oh it's i'm not saying there's some anything wrong with trying if i try then okay i'm trying <laughs> but i know that it's like also kind of resisting being uh, mm. so it's you know so it's just like whatever it's like and that goes across the board i can see it in all areas of life i used to be a dating coach and i kind of still am but like mm. every single thing guys try when it comes to women is just putting <laughs> free you know putting boundaries in front of their face it's just like i'm trying now and i can try this and there's like making uh, you know creating problems out of nothing and i mean we all probably do that we all do that and i mean this understanding just lets us be okay with that and sends us faster back to just being in life unfolding which is magical and life unfolding is attractive. It attracts more life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when I first got together with my wife, Jenny, when I tried, she hated it. It really <laughs> turned off me. When I was myself, she loved it. Absolutely. She's like, I called her the ego destroyer. Like, as soon as I would like 
get full of myself or try too hard or say something for effect or like it just had the reverse effect but when I was just genuinely myself and human she loved that and I think as a again this isn't the principles this is a personal opinion I, I think with women and men also yeah. is who you are is better than trying to be somebody else mm. like the the naturalness the beingness of you there's only one of you you're unique Mm. And we all have our own role to play in this. Like, if you imagine the universe as an orchestra, it's like we need all the notes, we need all the instruments mm. to create the whole. And if you're a B, like a D note, and you try and be an E note, you're not in alignment with yourself. You're, <laughs> the orchestra is lacking a, a note, and it's not as it's not as it is. It's less than it is. And I think as... Mm as we wake up to who we truly are and surprise, surprise, all that means is following your gut instinct, not trying to make an impression, being okay with not being okay. When we see the nature of how these principles are creating our experience in the moment for, for all of us, for all 7.1 billion of us, we drop out of the chaos of our own thinking into the truth, and the truth is, well, Rudy's truth is, is that we're spiritual beings walking around this physical universe in disguise. And everybody we meet is ourselves in disguise because there's no us and them. There's just one divine conscious state of being, and we're it. We are that one divine conscious state of being. And as we truly be... We're in alignment. We're we're being true to 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 our makeup, to the building blocks we are, which is love. Mm. And love is the most attractive thing you can find in a partner. And trying to be a beano or somebody else is you're impeding the flow of that love. And if people stop trying to be like the crap that you see in magazines and billboards and actually just be human. They're perfect as they are, absolutely mm. perfect as they are. That's enough. That is more than enough for everybody. That's the perfect ending. And I love, like, I try to, like, end the podcast on a good note, like on a good feeling, because uh, I know that, you know, I want to leave people feeling good. And that was perfect. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. Um I would love to, you know, let's do this again, though. That was a lot of fun. And I'd yeah, love to do love one that. with your, with Jenny as well. Um, oh, okay. She can, right, um, thank you. What's that? She can give you the, she can tell you what I was like before coming across this. That will make me <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> Being the ego destroyer. It's funny when you said that, I had a realization that, uh, you know, obviously that was what happened in my relationship as well. Because, uh, um, <clears throat> I was I was always like, why doesn't she like? She's always stricter with me and my success than everyone else. You know, everyone else is like praising me, like oh da da, da. and she's always like, I oh, should did this, like what no no no. She's like, what you're saying is like, she was like an ego destroyer. She wanted just me to be me, you know, obviously. Yeah. And then wow. and now you know we have the best relationship. We're not together like boyfriend and girlfriend, but we have the best relationship ever. It's beautiful. Yeah. 
And I think I think that goes like for a lot of guys. Try I talk with Christian. I don't know if you met Christian. I talked to him about um, uh, about like he did the same thing. He was trying to you know trying to fix. Uh, that's another thing though, but trying like fix your girlfriend and then <laughs> because you think that your feelings are coming from her and not your thinking, and all of a sudden you try to like fix your circumstances everywhere, and then uh, obviously that's not as attractive as just like being and being yourself being human i think as we see the nature of this the beingness of us is kind of transferred like a wireless signal in the internet it's just kind of transferred and it can light up the the fire burners within other people's hearts and you know great change can happen with our partners when we're ourselves that's the best way of of helping anybody whether it's our partner our children our our, our parents our em- employees our managers is when we're truly ourselves the beingness does the work for us it does the doing in our life and mm. it's kind of transferred via osmosis and when people see that you're walking around in love with life, they want some of that, and it's yeah. and it's contagious. So yeah, being is being is the is the is the perfect self. But don't do make that a goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. That's that's good. All right, uh, Rudy. Thank you so much for for doing this, and thank you for all the work you're doing. To, to to spread this insight or what I call the new paradigm. Um, and thank you for being on this podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you for interviewing me. <laughs> How can, oh, by the way, if people want to reach you, uh, first of all, I want to tell everyone to go to threeprinciplesmovies.com. Uh, it's just a massive resource for everyone who wants to dive into the theme that we just talked about. Uh, if people want to get contact with you directly, how would they do that? Um, if you go to um, www.innatewellbeing, that's I-N-N-A-T-E, wellbeing.co.uk, that's our kind of personal site where we run trainings and courses and facilitator trainings and loads of other stuff. So you can contact me via that. And we may be well out your way at some stage because we're doing talks about possibly doing something in Norway and, and, and around you know Sweden and Finland and things. So watch this space. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was the Paradigm Shift Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share it on your Facebook. If not, then please don't. (laughs) 